The big banks are getting ready to get stressed out. But you're in the right place, folks, because this is where the money is. Welcome to the show, folks. I am David Anson. Once again, joined by no one. I'm all by myself, other than our producers here by, behind the camera. So I have a question for them. Heather, last night, apparently, there was an amazing win on Wheel of Fortune. I don't really know what it was. I didn't read the article. What is the one game show that you'd want to be a contestant on? Who wants to be a millionaire? I think it's pretty easy. Who wants to be a millionaire with Regis or the new host? New host. New? I don't know about that. She says Regis is mean. I don't know about that. Regis made that show. Well, I used to watch it every single night. Can never forget the first time the guy won a million dollars. Amazing. John Carpenter, I think. I still even remember his name. <laughs> All right. Let's get to the real stuff for today. The stress tests are finally here. These are the annual stress tests that the big banks uh, have to do as part of the Wall Street reform, as part of the Federal Reserve's oversight of them. So what are these fr- stress tests? Should we care? What are we going to see out of them? So the results will be released today at 4 p.m., I believe. So by the time you're watching this or listening to this, the results have probably already been public. So if you want to go onto the Fed's website or you can Google Fed stress tests and you'll probably get the results in terms of how they played out. So what is this? These are usually, uh, or not usually, these are the biggest banks that are overseen by the Fed. And what the Fed does is they lay out three scenarios uh, for the banks to consider. One is a baseline scenario pretty much similar to the Fed's forecast in terms of what the economy is going to do over the next, uh, I think, nine quarters is the time frame here. So there's the baseline. It's kind of economy keeps growing at a steady pace. Unemployment continues to trickle down. What do the bank's results look like in that scenario? They also offer an adverse scenario, which things get a little bit worse. Uh, The stock market dives, I think, around 36% is this year's scenario. Unemployment ticks up. Housing prices go down. And then there is a severely adverse scenario where stock prices fall 50%. Unemployment jumps 4% to 5%. GDP uh, slows down very significantly into negative territory. And what this does is it gives the banks kind of an opportunity to say, if this scenario actually happens... What happens to your business and what happens to your capital ratios? Now, one of the things that always comes up with the stress test is, is this going to be the chance for for the big banks to ask for more dividends and more buybacks for their shareholders? That's not quite yet. That will come next week as part of the CCAR, which stands for the Comprehensive Capital Analysis and Review. Now, these are very, very similar. They're essentially going to use the same scenarios to evaluate what happens to the bank in these scenarios if we allow them to go along with their proposed capital plans. So the stress tests that we're seeing today are basically just assuming everything stays the way it is. Whatever dividends Wells Fargo and Bank of America are paying today, we're going to run this analysis based on that they continue to do that, and we're not going to consider uh, increasing that or increasing share buybacks and what are the results going to look like. So you're going to get the overall review of what the industry does, uh, how much would banks lose in this scenario, how much would capital ratios go down in each scenario here. And that's fine. You can kind of get an overview of where the banking industry is. But as investors, I think what is a little bit more interesting is if you scroll down through the pages of all of the, the Federal Reserve jargon, you get down to the end of the report, there's a breakout for all of the banks specifically, individually, what do their results look like? So you'll get a view of what a Citigroup's results look like, Bank of America, Wells Fargo, Key Corp. So you'll get this entire list of what the banks uh, would, would look like in uh, the severely adverse scenario. So 
if we have another recession, another panic, what will these banks look like? So obviously the first thing that comes to mind is what do the, what do their capital ratios look like? The banks have become better capitalized. The balance sheet is much healthier. Uh, but I'm interested in what do the businesses look like? And they'll even break out on the sheet there how much, how much of the losses will come from mortgage loans, how much will come from commercial loans, how much will come from home equity loans. So it's a very good uh, kind of insight to what do the books look like at each of these banks and how do they think uh, these will respond in this scenario. So why do we care about this? Why do we care if a bank's capital drops in a bad scenario? We care because if it drops below a healthy level and the bank becomes undercapitalized, they have to go out and raise capital. And when this happened in 2008 and 2009, when the banks had to take losses and they became severely undercapitalized, they had to go out and raise capital by issuing shares. Now, issuing shares can be fine at some prices, but what you don't want to do is issue shares at a very, very deep discount in times of panic. So, for example, we saw Citigroup had to issue a ton of shares basically at the bottom of the market, severely diluting their shareholders' dilution that would maybe take decades to make up. So their number of shares increased by 5x basically from the end of 2008 to where they are today. So that is severe dilution. Bank of America have essentially doubled their share count uh, from 2008 to where it is today, a little less than double. So why you care about this is because if there are losses and they have to go out and dilute you in times of crisis, that can make for a very, very painful scenario. So something to tune into. I wouldn't spend too much time on this. It's, it's useful to glance at it, see where uh, the results are coming in for the various banks. Next week will be very interesting when we see the results from the CCAR. We will finally know if Bank of America is raising its dividend. Most people think that they will. I've seen some estimates uh, for Bank of America raising uh, their dividend from one penny all the way up to 10 cents. I know you can't believe it, 10 cents. It sounds like a lot for Bank of America. The other one on the hot seat, if you will, is Citigroup, whether they will raise their dividend. Some people have called into question whether they will be able to uh, with the uh, alleged fraud that's happened in their uh, Mexican unit, not on their part, but from a client that resulted in them having to revise their earnings there. So that may be kind of an impediment to Citigroup raising that dividend there. So it'll be interesting to watch. Over the next two weeks, we'll get a lot of Fed jargon, uh, but there will be some useful nuggets uh, coming out of this as well. All right, moving on to the mailbag. We have one mailbag question for today. I didn't use them all up on Tuesday. So we have a question from Chris in Guatemala. He says, hey, guys, love the show. Even the one-man show was good. I've got one fan. See, you guys didn't think I had any fans. I decided to dig into Zilla after hearing you were both shareholders. I'm really impressed with Raskoff's business vision and the company's rapid growth. That's Spencer Raskoff, the company's CEO. He says... I noticed there's been a lot of insider selling lately. Is this something I should be concerned about? Or is this typical for a young company after a nice share run-up? Again, that's from Chris in Guatemala. It's a really, really good question. And I think most people are impressed with what Zillow has been able to do in terms of growing subscribers, growing traffic through their business. And if you listen to Spencer Raskoff talk, it makes sense. He really has a good vision. He's one of the founding employees here. He came on, I think, as uh, CFO and COO uh, when the company first started there. So he's been around for a while. He's an impressive guy. But yes, there has been insider selling from Raskoff Raskoff himself. Also, uh, Rich Barton, who is one of the co-founders of Zillow, who is uh, CEO and then uh, stepped over to the, the chairman role. 
So yes, there is selling, and I would say, yes, you should be concerned to some extent, but then to some extent, no, this is fairly common for a young company that's had a really good uh, run-up in the share price there. And when you look at someone like Raskoff, Spencer Raskoff is only 37 years old. Uh, He founded Hotwire, which was acquired um, by Expedia. So this is a very young guy. He's very entrepreneurial. I don't really take it to heart that he's cashing out some and becoming a little bit uh, his wealth less dependent on Zillow after this great run. So maybe he's just gaining some liquidity. Uh, In terms of Rich Barton, the the co-founder of Zillow, who's also been selling shares recently, He's also a young guy, only 46 years old. He was a former Microsoft executive. He founded Expedia, which bought Raskoff's Hotwire there. He's also on the board of Netflix. So they've got a lot going on. I don't really read too much into them selling. It's been a great run for Zillow's share price. But when you look at the business, it continues to do well. And just because these executives are selling doesn't mean that they think it's completely over. And insiders still own around 20 to 21% of Zillow's. So this, this is hardly a situation where there's no insider ownership left after all this selling. So I continue to be bullish on the future of Zillow. I think it, it could certainly take a pullback. It's had a great run. It's probably going to be a rocky ride uh, going forward. But I think in the long run, when you look back, it's going to be a company that continues to grow in a marketplace that makes sense for it to grow. It's still only, I think, a $3.3 billion company in a marketplace where real estate agents spend 30, 40 billion dollars a year. So there's a lot of opportunity for Zillow to still uh, grow into this market. So I'm not too concerned with the insider selling. All right, that is our show for today. I promise this was the last show that I will be here by myself. Matt Kopenheffer will be back tomorrow. He's been in Costa Rica. I don't know what the heck he's been doing down there. I would ask him what the craziest thing he ate down there was, but he's a vegetarian, so I'm sure it's just some plant. I don't think we're going to get any, like, guinea pigs or anything like that. Uh, But he will be back tomorrow. You don't have to listen to me drone on and on. In the meantime, you can find us on Twitter. We're at TMF Financials. You can find us on Facebook, Motley Fool Financial Sector Coverage. And, of course, you can send us the email like Chris in Guatemala did, WTMI at Fool.com. We will see you tomorrow. People on the show may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. Don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear.